You are listening to the LifePoint Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Kyle Trozen. For more information about other LifePoint Church resources, please visit www.livethemessage.org. As we enter into this time, I really encourage you to take a moment and say, God, what do you have for me this morning? You see, if you just come this morning and you're expecting some brilliant speaker to ooh and ah you, that probably won't be me. <laughs> I'm just going to tell you, I, I, I'm not that great. Uh, but can I tell you that when we come to a time of worship and we say, God, I'm hungry, that no matter how I preach, and I'm going to give it my all, all right? I'm not saying I'm not, but no matter how I preach, you're going to get filled because you're hungry, you're expectant. And so this morning, I want to share a scripture from Jeremiah, something the Lord's been laying in my heart, Jeremiah 29, 13 and 14. It says, if you look for me wholeheartedly, you will find me. I will be found by you, says the Lord. So this morning, I'm going to pray, and I want us just to prepare our hearts for what God has for each of us. Can I tell you that I know, just like myself, I'm walking through things, my family's walking through things, that each of you are walking through things. And sometimes we come on a Sunday morning, we put our best foot forward when sometimes we just need to put our face down on the ground and get on our knees before the Lord and say, God, I'm broken. <laughs> I want more of you. And so that's the kind of posture I would love for us to take this morning as we enter in this time. Jesus, we desperately need you. Every single person in this room has stuff going on in our lives, God. And God, we want to be a people of God that is so hungry and thirsty for you that we could truly be filled. And your word says that if we seek you, we'll find you. And so this morning, Lord, I just ask that your Holy Spirit would show up in a powerful way, that the power of God would be so evident that not a single person would leave unchanged by you. In Jesus' name, amen. So I have a privilege this morning of sharing. Uh, it was graduation weekend. Um, raise your hand if you're a graduate, either in December or May of this year. Raise your hand up high. Yes, can we give them a hand? <clears throat> awesome. It's a big deal, and we're going to take some time to honor you guys after a while. As I said, I'm the Chi Alpha Director at Iowa State, and I've had the privilege of uh, leading just this past year. Uh, two, two years prior to that, Tara and I were on staff with Drew and Tanya. And um, can I tell you, I just want to share, I don't know if I've had a chance to share with all of you for a while. So many of you partner with us through prayer, uh, the church, and many individuals partner with us in financial support for our team. And so many of you serve in so many capacities to see college students encounter Christ to your names. So I just want to give you a little, uh, little bit of what God's done over this past school year. Can I tell you that we've seen God do incredible things this year? We've seen students give their heart to the Lord. We've seen students get baptized. We actually just had a student who gave her heart to the Lord a few weeks ago. A lot of times spring semester, for those of you around the campus, sometimes that's um, time where students can kind of let up, be less connected. Sometimes within the ministry we'll see less... Um, students showing up on a Tuesday night or less students being connected to a small group. But we've been seeing God do something this spring that's been really encouraging. It's not because we figured out the right system. It's because God is good. And he's been giving us a lot of divine appointments as students have been stepping out in faith. And we just saw a gal give her heart to Jesus a few weeks ago and got baptized that same week. And uh, she's been coming and joining community. And it's just been so cool to see what God's been doing. At the beginning of the school year, we made a big change. We'd been meeting... Uh, in the National Swine Research and Information Center. That's a mouthful, isn't it? 
as you can imagine, not only would new students not know how to say it, it was a really difficult place to find. And God opened up a door for us uh, at the design building and a great place on campus. And so for the first semester, we really enjoyed being in a location where, first of all, people would understand when we tell them where we're at. And we were surrounded by students in Nisric, the former place we met. Um, it was kind of hidden. We weren't around students a lot. So we'd invite them, but it was hard to find. So we really enjoyed fall semester of just getting to connect with a lot of new students, building relationships. And then the unthinkable happened. We were, you know, looking forward to having this room for the whole year. And two days before our spring semester started, we found out that we could not meet in that space. And we needed to find a new space. And we had two days. And how many of you know on ISU's campus with so much going on to find an auditorium large enough to host a uh, considerable amount of students, that's not easy. And so we prayed, and God opened up an auditorium in Carver Hall, which is literally just across, excuse me, just across the street from Memorial Union, one of the most strategic places on campus. And at first it was like, God, what's going on? And can I tell you, we've had more divine appointments in this fall semester than I, I can remember. Not because of anything we've done. God has just been positioning it, it, students are so hungry, and we'll go out on the street team. We'll just go out and simply make invitations on a Tuesday night. And Katie Stuva, where are you, Katie? Are you in here? Raise your hand. She oversees our outreach. She's the outreach uh, pastor for Chi Alpha. And she's built an incredible team of students just, just stretching them to step out of their comfort zone each week, and they'll go and just walk, and all they'll do is make an invite. They're just making an invite. And can I tell you, we've had so many divine appointments just because of their boldness to make an invite. We've seen students who have come up to us, and recently I just talked to a stu uh, student, we're walking, and I said, hey, would you uh, just let you know we're part of a campus ministry called Chi Alpha, and if you're not busy tonight, we'd love to uh, have you. And she goes, are you sure you want me? And I'm like, yes, we do. And she's like, well, I'm gay. I said, great, come on over. We'd love to have you. And she was, you know, just like blown away that Christians would want to meet them, that would be willing to talk with them. And so we've just seen so many of these opportunities to build relationships with students because of an unforeseen room change. And so God's been really good this year, guys. We have an incredible staff. As many of you know, a lot of our staff and interns are, are kind of moving on and changing positions, and uh, we'll talk about that more. Um, but we're blessed, and we just want to say thank you, guys. God has been so faithful, and we just really, really appreciate your guys' prayer. And we'd ask that you continue to be praying for the campus because the mission field is huge, as you guys know. 36,000 people, um, it's a big mission field. So this morning, I want to talk a little bit about the mission. We've been talking through a series called The Jesus Church, and we're going to continue that this morning. And as I think about spring semester... It brings a lot of mixed emotions for me and Tara, and Tara and I, as we're in campus ministry. You see, in campus ministry, spring semester means we're losing family members. We're, uh, we're losing students that become like family over the past four years. So uh, we get really bummed because it's like we don't want them to go. You'll often, if you spend enough time with Tara, you'll probably hear in the spring semester saying stuff like, you should go to grad school at Iowa State. Not because she <laughs> thinks it's a great idea for them educationally or academically, but she doesn't want to lose them. I've even heard her saying, she's not here so I can say this, don't tell her. If anyone puts this on social media, you're out. I don't know if I have the power to do that, Drew, sorry. But she's like, you should just flunk that class or you have to come back next year. I'm like, Tara, that's not really, like, good advice. <laughs> like, we love them, but don't tell them to flunk classes. But that's the kind of, you know, that's when you're in college ministry, and Drew and Tani know this firsthand, you spend so much time in college ministry with your students. You spend a ton of time in your home, and it's just, that is sad, right? But it's also super exciting. I get really excited to see our students leave. 
not because I'm heartless and I want to see you guys go, but because I know what God has in store for them after college. You see, I truly believe as followers of Christ that in the New Testament is very clear that us as followers of Christ, all of us are called to be in full-time ministry. And some of you are like, what? I'm not supposed to be a pastor. I never said you're supposed to be a pastor. But it's very clear in the New Testament church that we're all called to full-time ministry as followers of Christ. None of us are exempt from being in the ministry. You saw every student that leaves Iowa State that's far of Christ, it's exciting because I'm like, God, you're sending them out to different pockets of, of maybe Ames or Iowa or the nation or throughout the world. Full-time ministers of the gospel. Yes, they may be in the marketplace. Yes, they may um, be a, a stay-at-home mom. Yes, they may do whatever, but they're full-time ministers of the gospel. And you see, when we look at our relationship with Jesus in that way, we realize that the responsibility falls on all of us, not just a couple of people. And you see, the gospel can spread, the mission can spread a lot quicker and a lot more effectively when it doesn't just rely on a few pastors who, right, who don't have it all figured out. I mean, Drew does, but not me. Drew's pretty good. But when we all take the gifts, and when we all take what God has given each of us, and we play our role in the body of Christ as full-time ministers of the gospel, we're going to see the mission of Jesus furthered a lot quicker than when it just falls on a few people. Does that make sense? So the kingdom way is that when we start looking at our college students, when we look at individuals within this church in this city that are going to be sent off, right? Amos is a very transient city. So it's not just students that leave. We see a lot of uh, grad students or even just individuals in the marketplace names. It's very transient. So we see people sent off. And can I tell you, it's so easy to hold on to them. It's so easy to like try to convince them to stay names. I do it sometimes. And I honestly, it's out of love, but sometimes I have to pull back because I'm like, God, that's not really the kingdom way. Like, yes, we love them. But if we're going to disciple them really well and if we're going to truly take what God has given us and steward it well, we have to disciple them and send them out when God says it's time to go. And this week, that's what we're doing with a lot of our college students, with undergrads and graduates. A couple will be sticking around names and the rest will be sent out. So that's our mission as a church. Our desire is that LifePoint family and Chi Alpha family be a launching pad for individuals, young and old, to be sent out in our community across Iowa and throughout the U.S. and to proclaim the gospel throughout the world. The Jesus Church should be a refuge from the world, but it also needs to be a church that's sending and equipping individuals for the mission. I'm going to say that again. The Jesus Church should be a refuge from the world, but it also needs to be a church that's sending and equipping individuals for the mission. You see, our heart is that people would come into the churches of Ames, the healthy gospel, Bible-preaching churches, and they'd be a place of refuge, a place of hope, a place of freedom, a place of restoration and growth. But guys, we can't hold on to everyone forever. At some point, when God says it's time to go, we've got to release them and send them off well. And that's what we're going to talk about this morning. So this morning, I want you to write this down, put it in your mind, type it in your phone, wherever you do that. The Jesus Church doesn't get comfortable because the mission isn't finished. Us, as the Jesus Church, we can't get comfortable because our mission is not finished. Amen? Did you know that comfort is the killer of the Lord's mission? Our comfort 
is such a killer of the Lord's mission. When we get comfortable, our focus turns from our neighbors outside these walls to ourselves inside these walls. I'm going to say that again. When we get comfortable, our focus turns from those who are broken and lost and having family issues, marriage issues outside these walls to focusing on ourselves inside these walls. And the Jesus Church doesn't get comfortable. The Jesus Church realizes the mission isn't over. It hasn't, it's been going on for over 2,000 years now and that we each get to play a part in that mission. So what's Jesus' mission for you and I? It's clearly laid out. Jesus' last command to us should be our first priority. Matthew 28, 18 through 20, I'm reading from the New Living Translation, says, Jesus came and told his disciples, I have given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to be all the commands I have given you and be sure of this. I am with you always, even to the ends of the age. If you want to know what our mission is, it's in Matthew 28. If you're a student today and you're graduating and you're not sure what tomorrow holds, maybe you don't have a job lined up, maybe you don't know what's beyond the summer, can I tell you, you're okay. God lays out clearly in his word that we're to love him, love other people, and his mission is so clear is that we're supposed to make disciples. And all the things that come after that, like our jobs and uh, where we're going to spend our time or education, that'll all come. God will take care of that. But our mission as far as the Christ, if you're a follower of Christ this morning, it's very clear. If you're not sure what you should do for the Lord, love Jesus with all your heart. Love people and start making disciples where you're at right now. Most likely all of you are in the mission field God's called you to. He hasn't forgotten you. Yes, he may have put dreams on each of our hearts that someday we'll step into, but can I tell you, if we miss the preparation now, we won't be ready for that dream later. Can I say that again? If we're, if we're not preparing ourselves now, we won't be ready for what God wants to do in our lives later. He wants, to, he wants us to grow with the little, right? He wants us, when he entrusts us with the little, he wants us to grow so that if he gives us much, we'll be able to handle it. So where's our mission field? I just touched on that briefly, but can I tell you, if you're a student in here, your mission field is your dorm, it's cafeteria, it's EMU, it's campus, it's wherever you, your feet step in this city. If you're in the marketplace working here in Ames, your mission field is the people that sit next to you every day. And if you've heard me preach before, you've heard me say this, but God, guys, I'm passionate about this because it's, it's elementary truths of Scripture, but we can't move past them. They always have to go with us because that's, that's a part of the mission. Our mission field is wherever God has each of us right now. I want us to turn to Acts chapter 10. It's a story of Cornelius and how God encountered Cornelius and his family. Aaron's going to have it up on the screen for you. I'm reading from the New Living Translation. We're going to look at Cornelius and how God encountered him through the obedience of an apostle. Acts chapter 10, verse 1 says, In Caesarea there lived a Roman officer named Cornelius, who was a captain of the Italian regiment. He was a devout, God-fearing man, as was everyone in his household. He gave generously to the poor and prayed regularly to God. One afternoon, about three o'clock, he had a vision in which he saw an angel of God coming towards him. Cornelius, 
the angel said. I don't really have a real angelic voice, so that was as good as it gets. You know, I wish I had one of those deep voices like Cornelius, you know. It just doesn't sound right. For those of you who know me, Cornelius stared at him in terror. What is it, sir? He asked the angel. And the angel replied, your prayers and gifts to the poor have been received by God as an offering. Now send some men to Joppa and summon a man named Simon Peter. He is staying with Simon, a tanner who lives near the shore. As soon as the angel's... Soon as the angel was gone, Cornelius called two of his household servants and a devout soldier, one of his personal attendants. He told them what had happened and sent them off to Joppa. I'm going to stop there for a moment, and we're going to read on. Pretty incredible, just those first eight verses. If you were hanging out at the house Saturday, Sunday afternoon, right, church is over, and all of a sudden you're visited by an angel in a vision, and this angel told you, to, to send some of your men, what you maybe don't, you know, or women, you maybe don't have people under you, right? Like peeps or whatever. But he was, he was a captain, right? In, in, in the army, and so he had people beneath him. But I don't know about you, but if I just fell in this vision, if it was, a, I don't know how many times he'd had a vision before, but let's just assume it's the first, because that's all scripture tells us, so that's all we can assume. If I woke up from this vision, I think the first thing that I would have went to is like, did I eat something wrong? Like, what did I eat last night? Like, some b- bad sushi or something? Something's not right. That just doesn't happen to me often. But the fact that Cornelius trusted that this was God and that he should obey, I mean, literally, the Bible says right after he wakes up from this vision, he just sends his men out, right, to go find Peter. The obedience that Cornelius displays is profound. And what tells me is it wasn't just the vision. It was that he'd been living a life of obedience leading up to this point so that when God encountered him, he was ready to say, yes, let's go, let's do this. He was so hungry for the Lord. He was a Gentile, but it said he was a God-fearing man, him and his whole family. So it's safe to say that Cornelius was so hungry for God, and he'd been following God in whatever capacity he knew that when this happened, he said yes. He didn't have to think. It was just like, yes, men go, find this Peter and bring him back. I need to hear more about this Jesus. As we read on in verse 9, it says, The next day, as Cornelius' messengers were nearing the town, Peter went up on the flat roof to pray. It was about noon, and he was hungry. Isn't that a typical man? Right? It's like, I'm going to go pray, but I'm hungry. Someone, someone make me some food. It says that someone was preparing food. Who was preparing Peter food? Like, he probably is like, probably was Mary, probably his wife, but I'm just like, it's just such a typical male thing. It's like, let's go pray, but I need some food. Can you make some chicken, you know? Anyways, that's not in Scripture. I just... I just think of myself, I'm like, yeah, it resonates. So Peter went up to the roof to pray. He was hungry. And while a meal was being prepared, he fell into a trance. He saw the sky open and something like a large sheet was let down by its four corners. In the sheet were all sorts of animals, reptiles, and birds. Then a voice said to him, get up, Peter, kill and eat them. No, Lord, Peter declared. I have never eaten anything that our Jewish laws have declared impure and unclean. But the voice spoke again, do not call something unclean if God has made it clean. The same vision was repeated three times. Then the sheet was suddenly pulled up to heaven. Peter was very perplexed. What could the vision mean? Just then the men sent by Cornelius found Simon's house. Standing outside the gate, they asked if a man named Simon Peter was staying there. Meanwhile, as Peter was puzzling over the vision, the Holy Spirit said to him, three men have come looking for you. Get up, go downstairs and go with them without hesitation. Don't worry, for I have sent them. So Peter went down and said, I'm the man you're looking for. Why have you come? 
They said, we were sent by Cornelius, a Roman officer. He's a devout and God-fearing man, well-respected by all the Jews. A holy angel instructed him to summon you to his house so that he can hear your message. So Peter invited the men to stay for the night. The next day, he went with them and accompanied by some of the brothers from Joppa. I'm going to stop there for a moment. Isn't it interesting that Peter, who was obviously thinking about food because the writer of uh, Acts, which is Luke, took the time to mention uh, that he was you know, waiting for food to be prepared as he was about to pray. But isn't it interesting that he falls into a trance or a vision and an angel speaks to him and the first thing he does when he wakes up is, you know, people come to his door. It's the men that were sent. And these men tell him what happened. And he says, yeah, come inside, stay the night. And the Bible says the next morning they, they left for Caesarea. Isn't it interesting that Peter as well said yes. Yes, Peter had encountered Jesus. But prior to him getting the Holy Spirit, he was a coward. And for, I mean, to be, to be honest, if I was in that situation and I'm hungry, just woke up from a weird trance, you know, weird vision, I don't know how often that happened to Peter, but it's like, what's happening? And all of a sudden people are at your door saying, come with us. The thing I think is profound is that Peter as well, just like Cornelius, obeyed right away. The power of God in both these men's lives showed up and they both obeyed. The Bible says without question, As you read on, I'm just going to paraphrase, uh, as you read on, Peter arrives and meets Cornelius, and his whole family had assembled to hear what Peter had to say. There was such an anticipation about this Jesus Christ they'd heard about and what they knew of God that they wanted more. There was such a hunger from Cornelius and his family that they were waiting and anticipating what was going to happen. You see, even Peter, when you look at Peter, Yes, he, we see a boldness come from Peter after he receives the Holy Spirit at the day of Pentecost. It's clear throughout Scripture that after that point, Peter was a different man. But can I tell you, he was still imperfect. He still had issues, right? Peter wasn't set aside. He wasn't, it wasn't like God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, then Peter. He was still a human, right? He was very much human. But yet, even in the midst of what was going on in Jerusalem, even in the midst of what was going on in the early church, he wasn't living a comfortable life. He'd been seeking God, and then he said yes. And because of it now, he's at a house of a Gentile man. Up to this point, if you don't know the, the background of the Jews, up until Jesus came, Jewish people could not have anything to do with Gentile people. They actually, the Jewish people were actually looked down upon them. And so this was a big deal that Peter said, I'll go with you. I'll go with you. Because he knew who he was going to spend time with. And this was looked down upon even in the Jerusalem church at that point, even though Jesus said there's a new way, did you know that Peter played a major role in breaking through that racism that had been a part of that culture for so long? Fast forward to verse 44. Even as Peter was saying these things, and just to give you reference to what he was saying, we skipped over some verses for the sake of time. He basically shares in a nutshell the good news of Jesus Christ. He lays it out very clearly for Cornelius and his family so that they understood what they were signing up for, so to speak. Does that make sense? So it says, even as Peter was still saying these things, the Holy Spirit fell upon all who were listening to the message. The Jewish believers who came with Peter were amazed that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles too. For they heard them speaking in other tongues and praising God. Then Peter asked, can anyone object to their being baptized 
now that they have received the Holy Spirit just as we did. So he gave orders for them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Afterwards, Cornelius asked him to stay with him for several days. This was a major moment in the early church. This paved the way for you and I to have a relationship with Jesus this very moment. You see, Peter's vision was God saying to him, yes, there'd be certain things now that he could do, you know, certain foods that they could eat as Jewish people that they couldn't before. But more importantly, it was God saying, what you used to call unclean, I'm calling clean now. And what he was speaking to more than even the food was the heart condition of where the, where the Jewish people were at and concerning the Gentiles. That God is saying, all of us, unless you're of Jewish blood here, I don't know who is, uh, but all of us Gentiles now have the ability to have a relationship with God because of Peter's obedience when God said go. You see, Peter moved the mission forward so that each of us, 2,000 years later, could have a relationship with Jesus. And guys, that same responsibility falls on you and I as far as a Christ to move that mission forward, to keep moving forward in the mission. So two things that I see happening in this text that I want us to talk about for a few moments. The first thing was the power of God was at work. In every capacity of the situation, the power of God was all over it. As you can see, Peter didn't do anything until the power of God showed up, right? He had an encounter with, with the Lord, and then he obeyed. Cornelius wouldn't have done anything, but he encountered God in a powerful way, and he obeyed. His family, as they were still hearing Peter, the Bible says it wasn't like Peter waited, uh, preached his whole message to the Gentile family or Cornelius' family, and then he's like, now I want you to walk through these three steps, and you can receive Jesus. The Bible says that the Holy Spirit fell on them while he was still talking. The power of God showed up in a radical way because they were so hungry. So we see the power of God at work. Without the power of God, none of that would have happened. Because most likely he wouldn't have the boldness to go. And because both of them had visions, it, I, I tend to wonder if that's what it took to get both of them off, you know, off that roof where they, Peter was so hungry or whatever Cornelius was doing to get them to act. But you see, the power of God is a piece in our lives that we can't do anything without the power of God. Can I tell you, the older I get, the more I realize, guys, I don't have enough talent. I don't want to have enough talent. I'm not a good enough person. And praise Jesus, I don't have to be. I, I can't do anything apart from the power of God. I'm just, I, I'm just a 34-year-old guy losing his hair. You know what I mean? <laughs> It's true. It's tough. Pray for me. We need healing. Maybe a miracle would be better. That'd be cool, wouldn't it? Never seen that one, but I'm praying for it. But I don't want to do anything apart from the power of God because that's not going to change people's lives when Kyle just does a decent sermon or maybe leads some people. It's the power of God that changes people's lives. It's the power of God that's changed our lives, right? Amen? It's the power of God that allows me to be here today, not preaching, but to have a family, to have a wife, to have a healthy marriage. Because prior to Jesus, can I tell you guys, I was a mess. You wouldn't recognize me. And you see, the early church knew that without the power of God, they couldn't do anything. And we shouldn't either. The second thing we see very clearly in this scripture is that everyone involved walked in obedience. 
You notice how scripture didn't say about Peter or Cornelius that both of them were living very, very busy lives, tending to 17 different ministries that they started and running around all day long. No, Peter was praying. He was just seeking Jesus. Here's a hungry dude on a roof. And Cornelius, it doesn't give us much context other than the time of day. But they obeyed. So often we can busy ourselves and sign up for everything because it's almost like we think that's going to be the best thing, right, for fruitfulness. But can I tell you that one moment of the power of God intersecting our lives in a given day will bring more fruit than us trying to do everything on our own and being busybodies? I'm speaking to myself, guys. This is something that I'm learning, and I've been on a journey for about 13 years now, and I haven't (laughs) arrived. It's like constantly reminding myself daily. I'm sure some of you are in the same boat where it's like, God, I know this to be true, but it's so hard. But they both obeyed. You know, I was thinking about an analogy, and obedience and the power of God go hand in hand. I've heard many throughout the church, not LifePoint Church, but the big church, big C, say, why don't we see the power of God at work? I don't know all the reasons, but I know the power of God is still at work today throughout the world, and we see it in the United States as well. But can I, can I say something? Can I... One thing I've noticed throughout Scripture is the power of God goes hand-in-hand with obedience. The power of God doesn't go hand-in-hand with our own ideas all the time. Sometimes we think our ideas are so good that we've become so smart, and then we call on God's power, and it doesn't happen in the timing we want it. We're like, where is he? Pray harder, pray longer. But can I tell you that, yes, the prayer part is absolutely important, but can I tell you when we walk in obedience, when God says, do this, slow up, do that, I want you to share this with that person. He is waiting with power to be like, okay, now this is lining with my will. Let's do this. So it'd be like, let's take automobiles. Who likes cars in here? Who likes, anyone enjoy vehicles or nice cars? Um, I would love to have a Corvette. I probably won't ever have one. I just think it'd be a cool car. It'd be fun. I'd get probably lots of trouble, so it wouldn't be a good example for my kids. It's kind of a misspent youth thing, you know what I mean, bringing me back, but... um. It's like taking a brand new Corvette, top-of-line Corvette, right? Let's just say it has a bunch of power. I could go through details, but I don't want to bore you because I'm a weird car guy. Uh, But let's just say it has tons and tons of power, right? Waiting for the participant to sit in that seat and to turn that engine on and to take off, right? But what would happen if you took that beautiful Corvette and you took off the 20-inch or 22-inch wheels and set them to the side and put up on blocks and said, all right, step in that car. And you sit and then rev up the engine and you hit the gas pedal and nothing happens, right? Well, I, guys, can I contend that a lot of times that we want the power of God, but we're missing out on obedience. We're missing out on the rubber that meets the road that carries us to where God wants to take us. We miss out on what he's wanting to do because we try doing it on our own. You see, the power of God's always available. We can't muster it up because we're so spiritual, because we're loud enough, or we jump high enough, or, or whatever. We can't. But when we walk in obedience, it's like putting the tires on that Corvette, setting it back down on the road, and then you get to encounter the power, right? The power that that Corvette was designed to put out can actually be fulfilled now because it has tires to move it forward. Obedience and the power of God go hand in hand. And guys, God has been teaching me as he's been wrecking me lately with like, Kyle, why are you, why are you running you know, so busy? Why are you pushing, pushing, pushing? He's like, spend more time in my presence so you can hear what I want to do. And I'll do a lot in your day. But it doesn't mean you're going to have to busy yourself just with all these things. But it's like, if you just obey, the high power is there. And I'll unleash it. But instead of you just running with your own ideas, like, why don't you tune into what I have? 
when Tara and I were first married, we were youth pastors in Minot, North Dakota, northern North Dakota, near the Canadian border, and uh, we had an all-night prayer night. I remember one Friday night. It was actually Friday night through Sunday. It was long. It was fasting, too. If any of you guys have tried fasting, um, maybe for some of you, it's like, I do 40-day fast, then more power to you. But this was hard for me. It's like the first time I actually tried to fast. We invited people to our little apartment, and we're going to fast all weekend. There was something going on in, a church, in our church that was uh, pretty important, and we just, as a, as a fellowship, wanted to pray and seek the Lord's direction. And so I remember we, we weren't eating, and we were praying all night, and I was like 25 then, so I was able to stay up late. And um, I remember we were praying, and it was probably 11 or 12 at night, and we had this neighbor that lived uh, nearby that he'd always come and drink right outside of our, our window. We were on the second story, and he would um, just be really loud at night and belligerent, and uh, some crazy things would happen. Let me just tell you that. It's outside of our window. And uh, as we were praying, the Lord just put on my heart, Kyle, go outside right now. Now, what I didn't tell you, he wasn't out there at that time. I didn't know he was out there. And so God just said, go out to the parking lot. So we walk out to the parking lot, me and a couple other guys, and here's that neighbor who was, you know, intoxicated. And I just felt the Lord say, like, share the, share the gospel with him. Meet this man. Get to know him. And so he was totally intoxicated. Can I tell you guys, we stepped out in boldness because it was kind of a scary situation. I'm not going to share more about the story. And we went out there, us three of us dudes, and we approached this guy. Can I tell you that God actually, like, brought sobriety for about five minutes? I've never seen anything like it since in my own life. I know it happens all the time. But he brought sobriety, and we were able to talk to this guy, hear about his life, and then he was able to give his heart to the Lord, and he seemed very, very sincere. Because I've been around alcoholism most of my life, and so I know what it looks like when someone is intoxicated and how they talk and how they act. And he literally, when we approached him, went from one way, did a 180 while we talked to him about Jesus. And then after we were done, we invited him to church the next day, and we told him we'd pick him up. He went back to his drunken state. Can I tell you guys, that's not me. That's not because I was some great pastor or because I was, had something great to bring. All it was was I had allowed myself to be able to be in tune with God and not saying it takes a whole night of prayer and fasting to hear God. But in that moment, I was so in tune with what the Lord was wanting to do that I actually heard his voice say, Kyle, go outside. And guys, can I tell you that God wants to do that in each of our lives on a daily basis? We have to go to school, not saying we all just fast and pray and never leave our house. We have to go to work, but can I tell you, when we start tuning into more of what God has than our own agendas, we'll start to be able to hear clear what he has for us. So this is really good. I want to take a moment to talk about this. Can you guess what one of the greatest enemies is to the gospel? Okay, one of the greatest enemies as a follower of Christ, and we'll just say in the U.S., that's kind of our backyard, what do you think? And this is going to take crowd participation. So if you're sleeping, wake up, take another drink of coffee. What do you think one of our greatest enemies as a follower of Christ is in the United States? If you share out the wrong thing, don't worry. We won't escort you out. What is it? Distractions. That's good. Really good. That's close. I'm looking for a different word, but very close to that. Indifference. That's good. Busyness. Comparisons. That's good. It's still not the word. Distractions is as close, is really close. Starts with a C. Very close. What's that? Coffee. <laughs> no, that's from the Lord. <laughs> comfort, comfort. All those are good answers, and all of them play a part in that. This is not the one and only. But can I tell you that comfort is one of the greatest enemies to being a follower of Christ? Now, is it wrong to be comfortable and to have some things? I'm not saying that. But can I tell you a constant enemy as a follower of Christ is our comfort. 
Because the more things that we have in our lives, the more things that we have going, who usually takes the back seat? Our Lord. Right? The more that we're pursuing our own agendas and our own American dreams, the Lord tends to fade into the background. So I'm not making a sermon this morning about having what, you know, how much stuff is right. That's not it. We can have things and love Jesus with all of our heart. But what I'm saying is comfort is a major distraction in our lives, guys. Jesus does not want it to be a hobby in our lives. He does not want to be second in our lives. Reason why is because he wants us to encounter all that he has, and he wants our neighbors to encounter all that he has. He wants us to move the mission forward. Did you know that we spend time on what's important to us? One of the quickest ways, and oh, you should try it, but be, be careful. I did this one time. It wasn't good. If you want to know what's most important in your life, look at where your money goes and where you're spending your time. What you're spending your money on and where your time is going. That'll tell you very quickly what's the most important to you. Can I tell you the last time I did it, I was like very humbled. Because I realized that so many other things in my life have taken priority over God. And can I tell you that moving the mission forward takes followers of Christ who aren't perfect. None of us are perfect but who are willing to lay down some comforts, willing to lay down some things that we want in order to pursue Jesus, to get on our face and pray on a Friday night or a Saturday night for our neighbors who we know are broken. There's, you know, I have a single mom across the street from us. We just moved to her house in, in November. Single mom, two little girls. What's it going to take for me to get on my face for this mother across the street? What's it going to take for us to care more about our neighbors than our own comfort? Something God's been challenging me with. I'm speaking to myself. What would have happened if Peter would have chosen a comfortable, safe life instead of pursuing the mission? I don't think, and it might have happened through different people. We know that Paul was used to be a preacher to the Gentiles and God did incredible things. But what would have happened if Peter wouldn't have been obedient? If he would have just been so concerned with his own life that he wouldn't have said yes to God when those moments came? Can I tell you, for the graduates in here, my heart for you is that you would say yes to God, that you wouldn't put him on this little pedestal of your life, that you'd pull him off the shelf like a little genie and start rubbing his belly when you need something, but that you would access him every single day and that you'd give him your best so that you can encounter the power of God in your life every day. If you're here and you're like, Christianity's been just boring in my life and I haven't, I haven't felt the power, then guys, there's more. I'm telling you, that's not it. That's not condemnation. That's okay. If that's you this morning, you're saying, I just has felt boring. Then I'm telling you, you haven't tapped into all that God has for you. You haven't tapped into all of heaven's resources for you. And be encouraged. There's more. There's only more. There's only moving forward from where you're at. If that's you this morning, it's good news, right? God has more. Who in this place have been to a retreat before? Ever been to a retreat? A time where you've gotten away from your, you know, the everyday life and you've had time to worship the Lord. Yes, a few of you. Why is it that retreats are so powerful? You ever notice when you go on a, like a worship retreat or maybe it's a Kyle for retreat for you students or different retreats, why is it that we encounter the Lord in such a powerful way on retreats? Is it because of camp food? For us, yes, we have Gil, and he's incredible. And that food's anointed, Gil. But it's not the food. It's not the great speaker who's there, but it's because we've given time to focus on the Lord. We're giving extended time to actually break through our busyness and hear what God wants to do in each of our lives. 
We just had a retreat recently with our Chi Alpha students. Can I tell you, it was most, one of the most powerful times of the Lord I've ever encountered, and there was nothing special in the water. We just, we just gave the whole night to saying, God, whatever you want to do. And can I tell you, when we broke past all the busyness in our minds and all the things that are on our agendas, all of us, as a, you know, a group of about 60 of us, were able to really focus on Jesus. And can I tell you, the power of God that had been waiting to fall on us, we were finally able to access it because we actually broke through all that stuff and said, here I am, Lord, I can see you now. That's what God wants for each of our lives daily. I'm going to have Ryan come up, Ryan Vogler. Um, he's going to share briefly just about something God's been doing in his life regarding obedience and the power of God. And I have to dote on Ryan for a minute here. Would you rather stand down here, Ryan, or up there? Okay. So Ryan encountered the Lord about, was it February of last year or April? April. Um, Ryan, for those of you who know Ryan and knew him before he gave his heart to the Lord, he's a different guy. Okay. He encountered Jesus, and God's been doing incredible things in his life over this last year. But he is still susceptible to the same things you and I are susceptible to, and that's busyness and distractions and life, right? And just recently, he was walking through a season, probably like much of us have walked through, where it's like you just feel dry and empty. And it's like, God, where's your power? Why am I not seeing things? And Ryan had a cool opportunity here a couple of months ago to step out in obedience, and I wanted to share that and maybe share what that did for you when you encountered that. Yeah, as Kyle had said, I was feeling lifeless and dry in my walk with God. Um, so we, 17 of us, went up to Trinidad, or down to Trinidad, and uh, we were on uh, trying to train ourselves in door-to-door evangelism, uh, just working on the Great Commission. And so we went up to, uh, down to Trinidad, and... We uh, partnered with local churches and went door-to-door in their community and were asking if people wanted prayer. And so we gave them prayer. Or if they didn't want it, we just talked with them. And so uh, then it was Thursday. We had a uh, mall outreach. And so I was partnered with Katie Stuva, and we were walking around the mall we weren't having too much luck at first. We ended up praying for someone named Winston. Um, <laughs> so, uh, um, so yeah, we, we weren't having much luck in our scavenger hunt where we were asking God to place on our hearts someone who uh, we could pray for. So we were walking around, ended up uh, staying in front of some jewelry stores, and off to the right there was some... Uh, group of chairs and there was two people that were sitting there one was a woman one was a man so we and there was two empty seats we decided to uh sit there um and so katie struck up a conversation with a woman named liana and i just uh sat there and listened for about five ten minutes and after a while i uh i leaned in and i said you know uh the more I listen to this conversation, the more I get the feeling that God has laid on my heart, that you've been praying for something specifically for two or three, mon- two or three months, and it hasn't been answered. Um, and so I could tell right then that uh, she was, it surprised her that it was very specific and it, was, it spoke to her. Um, she had been praying for migration, um, her st- luggage was in stuck in Canada, um, 
And so she was praying and praying and praying for those two or three months, which was crazy because I didn't, I didn't just pull that number out. It was given to me. Um, and so we listened to that, and uh, I asked her if she wanted prayer for that. Um, so we prayed for her, and then after we were done, I said, you know, I, I believe God's heard your prayers and that he's going to answer them in his timing, and it's just all going to fall into place for you. And so, yeah, I uh, we got her information, and in our on our ways but yeah at, during that mission trip I was filled with life-giving love from God and I hadn't had that before and a little after it was like I, I, I had to ask Kyle why is it that I only felt that during that moment he's like because you weren't you were obeying God in that moment and you weren't uh, you weren't uh, fearful of what someone might think of what you had said. And so I, I, I just wanted to uh, share the fact that if you are hesitant to believe that God can use you, don't do that. He, he'll, he'll use you and it'll surprise you after. And you can use that when you're feeling doubt in your life. You can use that and inspire yourself that he's going to continue to be with you. Thank you, Ryan. Ryan's story is literally intertwined with the power of God, like in and out of it. I mean, it's just crazy what God's been doing in his life. And Ryan's absolutely right. That's something the Lord's been doing in my life is saying, Kyle, if you would just step out in obedience, you'd see the power of God at work every day. That dryness that you're feeling, Kyle, will go away the more you step out in obedience because you're going to be filled with so much joy because you're obeying, and that's where the joy comes from. The source is Jesus, and the source, the way we tap into that source is through obedience. Ryan actually had prepared, and he had it written down, and I asked him just to share. And I'm so proud of you, Ryan. You didn't even look at your notes, man. God is so good, and you just, yeah, you should be up here instead of me. My prayer for everyone here this morning is not just for students, right? Because we all play a part in the mission, all of us. My prayer for us this morning is that the mission of God would take priority above our education, above our careers, above our relationships, above our pursuits. When we do that, we're going to see the power of God at work an awful lot in our lives. And I believe a lot of us are already seeing that daily. A lot of you guys are stepping out in faith already. And I'm encouraged. I hear stories week in and week out of what God's doing in your life. Church, is the mission finished? Is our mission finished? It's not. And we need each other, don't we? We need to link arms. Not just on Sundays, but week in and week out. That's why we have life groups. The idea is that we'd link arms. That we'd pray over one another. We'd spur one, uh, one another on towards good deeds. That we'd encourage each other. If you're not a part of a life group, guys, I'm not making a plug for LifePoint because we believe, as LifePoint Calvary, we believe that life groups and small groups, same thing, are the life of, of our community. 
Because that's when real life happens, when we're in the smaller settings, when we, when we link arms and see God work in our, in our weeks. If you're not a part of a life group, please join one. You will not be disappointed. I want us to take a moment. I know we're almost at 11.30, but can we just give God a few more minutes to work in our hearts? I'm going to step away and stop talking for a moment. And I want, I want Paige and the band just to sing Reckless Love for a few more minutes. And I encourage you guys, whatever's going on in your life, good, bad, or indifferent, just take a few moments to let loose before the Lord. Some of you may need to get up. Can we actually bring the lights down a little bit? Is that all right? Is that kosher? I want to give an opportunity for you. Maybe some of you need to get up. Maybe you need to go in a corner. Maybe you need to kneel. Maybe some of you need to lay down. Can I tell you, sometimes a posture change is more spiritual than you think. Sometimes getting into a posture of surrender actually helps us in, enter into a place of surrender in our spirit. It's, it's not some weird thing. I'm just saying sometimes we just need to lay up flat before the Lord or on our knees or get up and move out of our comfort zone and say, God, I'm desperate. I'm hungry. And I don't want to live content every day. I don't want to live in comfort. I want to live for you and I want to see the power of God at work. And so this morning, as we worship for a few more minutes, I encourage you to do whatever that is for yourself and getting out of your comfort zone. Then we're going to come together and pray over our seniors, and then we'll let you guys go. We hope you enjoyed this week's sermon. For more information about LifePoint Church, please visit www.livethemessage.org.